bless your family. So today's focus in teaching is three things. It's called the visit, the escape, and the return. The visit, the escape, and the return. Interesting how we as humans, we love to be able to separate ourselves when we find ourselves in a situation. When that situation presents itself, our desire is to try to either separate ourselves. And I'm looking at a lot of these uh, singers and, and rappers and everyone's trying to find something because they thought they had everything. The desire to now seek God becomes so strong because now they want to enter a phase called the Nazarite phase. And that term Nazarite is used several times in the Bible, but more particularly, those of you who are writing down, as you know, we're always teaching, more particularly in Numbers chapter 6, we find the, the breakdown of a Nazarite. And then we go into the, and mind you, everything's going to be connected with today. Why is today important? Why are we celebrating? And I know today's not the 25th. But why are we celebrating this concept of the birth of Jesus the Christ? The Nazarite was separated from birth. We find it also in Judges chapter 13. In Judges 13, we find this guy by the name of Samson. That from birth, he was separated. And that separation distinguished him from everyone else however your external distinction does not determine your internal transformation let me say that again one of the easiest things we love to do when we're trying to change our goal is to let people know that we've changed so we start focusing more on the external view than what's going on internally because we want people to know look i am different i'm dressing different i'm doing these but the internal part becomes super important and when it comes to the nazarite vow it was the old testament way of letting people know look i am not the same so what don't i do numbers chapter 6 verse 1 let's go there what don't i do and again i'm speaking this to lead into why jesus (laughs) so incredible why Jesus had to be raised up in Nazareth. One thing almost has nothing to do with the other, but God is always mindful of your future end. Even as you're walking in life and things look like they're going bad, what you don't know is that route you're taking is a shortcut to where he wants to take you. It's a little rockier. It's a little disturbing. The view is not right, but that last place is what he sees that you don't see. Look what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to the Lord in a special way, 
They must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must not use vinegar made from wine or from other alcoholic drinks. They must not drink fresh grape juice, and they must not eat grapes or raisins. They must never, look, look how far they go. As long as they are bound by the Nazareth vow, they are not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine, not even the grape seeds or the grape skins. They must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow, for they are holy and set apart to the Lord. Until the time of their vow has been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long. Now, you read that and you go, wow, is that all that I have to do today? No. The reason that the purpose for that was to show a future event because wine is parallel to the blood. And there was a disqualification because Jesus had not come yet. So Jesus had to become the ultimate Nazarite so that he could represent us in full on the cross. Now, let's take it a step further. Samson, y'all know his, some of you know his story. You know, he grew to be strong and everyone thought it was based on muscles. It had nothing to do with that. As a matter of fact, it didn't even have to do with what was ultimately his demise by cutting his hair. It was a matter of the heart. See, the cutting of the hair was because he disclosed it. He wasn't supposed to say what it was. The truth is, he lost his power because he lost his integrity and connection with God. The power wasn't lost on something external, wasn't a trinket, wasn't an item. It had everything to do with what was going on inside. This man lived a life that was not right. He did everything wrong. But at the end of the day, God used what was given to him as a gift so that everyone would benefit. God is not just looking at a person. He's looking at assignments. When we look at this place here and we look at what God has given us and how God has granted us journeys, we need to pay attention that it's not the individual, but it's the assignment because God is already in the next one. Y'all didn't hear me. God is already in the next assignment waiting for us. He's there already. So he doesn't have to go through that because he already went through that. They must, I mean, I can, we can go on, on and on of what the Nazarite's vow was, but that's not the theme. We can go now, to, we can read Judges 13 and see exactly what was required, even for his mother. Samson's mother was the one who couldn't drink anything, drink alcohol. She couldn't do anything because she was giving birth to a Nazarite. The Nazarite had to be prepped from the beginning. But then we talk about the promise made in Matthew chapter 2. Now, here's the connection. I asked the Lord to allow me to show the merger. And I'm going to show it to you guys in a way that I believe you're going to be able to comprehend. In Matthew chapter 2, it speaks of the wise men of the East. These wise men of the East were given a sign to show that Jesus... Or the son of God was born. But where they were when they received the sign was two years from the location. So when they started walking, 
It could have been when Jesus was born, but they didn't get there till two years later. So for those who believe in the narrative or the, the, uh, the birth narrative where you see these three kings coming over, it wasn't three kings. It was many kings with an assignment of three gifts. Let me repeat that again. The assignment was what God had to make sure he funded. When God sends you to a new place, he doesn't send you empty-handed. When he builds something for you, he makes sure that he has it for you even for the journey. Follow me here. Do not lose sight. As a Nazarite, there is preser- there's preparation for the preservation or preservation for the preparation, whichever one you want to choose. What happens? You have a story here of these men coming. Now, it wasn't just three kings. I'm going to repeat that again. They, we don't know their names. You know, people have heard Balthazar, Casper, and I don't know what the other guy's name is. They don't exist in the word. But because they saw it was three gifts, they thought it was three kings. The three gifts represent a promise made by way of Jesus for humanity. Y'all ready for this? The king is about to come. He represents the royalty. And in the Old Testament, the actual tabernacle was broken up into three areas as well. The tabernacle had three colors. Those of you writing down, this is good. Purple, blue, and red. Purple, blue, and red. These three colors were a representation of what was going to happen in the future. God is always giving us clues of what he's about to do with us. Are we paying attention? Do you know that God is always telling you what's coming next? It's a surprise to us when we don't read it right. All right. Those three colors were then translated into the three gifts that were going to be given to humanity by way of giving it to Jesus. These kings from the east came because they knew that what they were going to give was going to be a seed for them. They were being, it's going to be crazy what I'm about to say. There was a sense of selfishness even though they were giving. You understand that that can be the case? You can think of yourself as a farmer when you give because you're releasing to receive. And there's nothing wrong with that. For even God the Father himself sacrificed and gave because he wanted all of us. That was the greatest and the most powerful gift. To give his son because he knew that giving his son was now going to reciprocate all of us. All right. These three items or colors or gifts, we're going to now parallel them. Put them together. We have the color purple. The color purple is a representation of royalty. Whenever you hear the color purple, know that it has, it has a connection to royalty or royal lineage. Then you have the color blue. And the color blue represents priesthood. 
It represents the priesthood of Christ. Because not only was he a king, but he was also a. And then the color red is a. We all know what red is. Red is a universal color that always goes and represents what? Blood. So red is the sacrificial color. These were the colors used, but it doesn't stop there because these men were scholars. These men understood the journey they were about to take for two years. They knew that they were going to get to a place. Again, I, I repeat, for those who have seen the, narr the birth narrative, the three kings were not present. Who were present when Jesus was born? The shepherds. Because they were there. They were in the region and they were brought over. But the kings were not present in that moment. So I like proving things in the word. Because I think that's the best way to get. Because right now you could be like, I don't, I don't believe you. you know, I've, I've heard this all my life. Look what the word says. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. The first encounter, remember there's always going to be a visitation first. For two years, Jesus was in a situation living in a certain place. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king? Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. We came from the east because we saw the star that is supposed to represent him. How much studying did they do? How much connection did they have? God wasn't just present in Jerusalem. God was also in the east. God gave them instructions to come and see. That's why I want you to know. There are people right now that may not be in church, but they have relations with God. You're not hearing me. There are people right now that are seeking the answer. They're looking for God. They're not in church. These people didn't come from Jerusalem because Jerusalem was supposed to be the center of it all. They came from afar and got instructions from God to go and find out where the Messiah is. King Herod, of course, is going to be deeply disturbed when he heard this because how is it somebody comes to a king to tell him, show us the king? How do you, how do you, how do you, go, how do you go to a king and say, hey, king, God just told us to come out here? And he said, there's a king that's, that's born. Can you tell me where he is? What do you think happens then? King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked them, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people. Then Herod called a private meeting with the wise men, with the men of the east. I need you to know something. This, these men came in a caravan. When you come in a journey from that far, 
you don't come just three individuals. It's not like getting off a plane. You're coming with a caravan because you need to be sustained in the journey. Who's hearing me? That means that when they came in, it was a ruckus. Everyone knew that these strange individuals showed up in Jerusalem. It wasn't a secret. Then he told them, go. He said, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them in, in, the, in the time when the star first appeared. He found out when it actually first appeared. So he calculated. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I, so that I can go worship him too. Straight up a lie. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Now, here's the key. This is how you know it wasn't when Jesus was born. It says where? It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was born, or should I say the house? When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Next one. They entered the house. Where was Jesus born, folks? He was born in a manger. At this point, now Jesus is in a what? He's in a house. The house means that he's now transferred from the place he was born to another place. So it couldn't have been the same day he was born. So when you dive into the word and you do research, you realize that sometimes because we love shortcuts, we take parts of stories and make it our own. And God is saying it's time for the church to understand the word. We need to understand because it's important that we know this. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why gold, frankincense, and myrrh? The reason why it's so important to give gifts during this time is because it's a reminder of these moments. The power of exchange. And let your gifts have meaning. Yeah. Let your gifts have meaning. You know, somebody one time, a long time ago, gave me soap as a gift. And I said, why did they give me soap? I'm thinking to myself, why soap? And it was a nice, nice little stack of soap. And I said, hey, man, what would be the reason to give somebody soap? Because they may not smell so good. So, of course, I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, this is from the kindness of their heart. But they're letting me know something. Could have been, right? I was, that was an assumption. It might not have been the case. The truth is, I'm telling you this so that when you give someone a gift, even if it's a gift of an embrace, let the gift have a meaning. Let it speak to the person. It doesn't matter how big or expensive it is. It doesn't matter how, as long as you give with meaning. So what do these gifts mean? Why did God tell these men to give Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh? You know why? Because the gold was the purple 
in the tabernacle. The gold represented the royalty of Jesus and that we are connected to royalty. One amen, you, you royalty, whoever you are. Number two, he wanted to make sure the second gift was frankincense. Frankincense was what was used by the priests and not just any priest, the high priest, according to Numbers chapter 4, verse 32. The high priest was a part of that transaction, right? Frankincense saturated the whole entire tabernacle, making it an aroma of God. Because that's what the priest does. When a priest shows up, a priest brings in the aroma of God. Oh, they're supposed to, that is. Because it has to be before you see. Has to be before you judge and see, the, the aroma has to be before that. Praise God. And then the last one is myrrh. And that last one is an eerie one because it was a statement being made that, about that child that was in front of them. That child was going to also receive myrrh because the myrrh was a representation of what he was about to do in the future. Myrrh was used to put on dead bodies. So he was royal, he was a priest, and then he was going to be a sacrifice. The three gifts were exactly what he was going to do and who he was. All three was a representation of his journey at the age of two. When it was time to leave, these... Wise men return to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So now this is really powerful. When everybody has the same dream, pay attention. So all these men had the same dream and they knew not to go the route that they came. But all of this that was going on was for a future event. So the first thing I said was visitation. The second thing I said was escape. Everybody say escape. escape. The escape is what God had planned. God is not a deadbeat dad. What does that mean? That before he sends you on, his, on your way, he's going to provide for you what you require to get to the other destination. He's going to make sure that he funds you well. He pays for your Uber. He doesn't have you come out of pocket because he understands that that journey is extensive. So what does he do? From the visitation who are the people God used to fund, he then tells them to leave to go to Egypt. Why did he have the escape? Everything about escape is God planned. When you're going through a tough time in your life, know that that tough time didn't come with a contingency. God already planned something for you to get out of that something. You go through and you think you're by yourself and God is saying, I got the things for you. They're here for you so you can use it to get to the next place. Because there was no escape for Mary, for Joseph, and for Jesus unless those wise men showed up. Let me say that again. Stay with me, please. 
There was no way that journey to Egypt was going to take place. And from Egypt to Nazareth, unless what? They were funded. God used the wise men to fund the trip so that they can get to Egypt without having to worry about finances. Let me say it like this. Uh, let, me, let, me just, let me just go right to it. Jesus won more than the lottery. On that day, he went from wherever they were, that whole family, to now having more than enough. For those who think that because he was born in a manger, he was broke, I'm letting you know now that God will fund your trip. He will fund you from point A to point B. He will make sure that everything is where it needs to be. Because they would not have been able to go if that did not take place. These men from the east were looking out for themselves, but didn't realize they were funding the journey of the Son of God. So from the escape to Egypt, let's read that. After the wise men were gone, we read that. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. So Jesus had to go to Egypt, look at this, because Egypt was a representation of the world. He had to be pulled, he had to go there and be pulled out. So the journey was also a story. And God will repeat that story again. Look what it says. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Listen carefully. Does anyone recall another time in the Bible where this took place? Moses. So the story repeats itself on purpose. And Egypt had everything to do with it. It is the area where God says, there's a repetition here because I want you to know that what I did for them, I can do for you. God is always mindful of making sure we understand that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he doesn't change his methodology. If he did it back then, he will do it. Oh, y'all got you to gotta help me out today. Y'all looking at me like this is a movie. Look. If he did it back then, he will do it. This is what makes us understand that the God we worship is mindful of every hair. Even lack thereof. He's mindful of us, guys. And if you can believe that, then every problem that presents itself, you'll say, okay, where's the journey? Where are you taking me, Lord? Where am I going now? You just, this happened? That means something else is over there. This occurred? There must be something that you're about to do in my life. Because God is always balancing the scales. Heavy, 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 heavy. Okay, blessing, 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 blessing. 
We got to balance this out. The storyline of your life is indicative of where you're going. My God. But you don't know what I went through. I know that God's going to balance that. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't understand. I don't. But what I do know is that the God I serve will make the weight of his blessings balance it off. That's the gift. But it doesn't stop there. Because the next part. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. That was the prophetic word. But the part that really excites me is the end result. You know what the end result is? Did you ever wonder? They went to Egypt because they were escaping death. Death was chasing them. Death was after Jesus from him being a child. So death already got instructions to take Jesus out. Death was told, that right there you need to pay attention to. But because God is greater than death, God said, okay, you want to start that race? Let me tell you what I got in the engine. You want to start coming after him? You won't catch him and grab him and hold him down until I say it's so. That's so powerful. So what happens? He goes now to Nazareth. Now, Nazarite and Nazareth have nothing to do with each other. Scholars have been trying to, they've been busting their brains because it actually says that there's a word that was fulfilled and it says that's why he's from Nazareth and Nazarene. But Herod dies. Eventually the person who's pursuing you or that spirit that's pursuing you dies. Only one amen. Two, maybe two. Eventually the hot pursuit ends. The person or the spirit that's been coming after you expires. Their expiration date is because they're not God. So even with the energy that they use to come against you, that energy now becomes your gasoline. You know why, how we got petroleum, right? You understand the petroleum is simply the remains of dead creatures from long ago, right? The oil. What I'm telling you is energy still has to go somewhere. All the energy that people had against you, that energy God will use to bless you, to propel you, to move you forward. That energy does not disappear. It still remains and gets you to the next level. Oh, but, but, but what about where am I at now? God is saying, be mindful of your location. Because if you know where you are, then you know that I'm still with you along the way. Learn to harness the winds that come your way. Oh my God. The winds that's here to destroy you can be the same winds that are here to navigate you. To take you to your next stage in life. You don't tell the winds to stop. You go keep blowing. 
<laughs> Let me learn how to do this thing here. And once you learn how to sail, I'll take the winds. That's what Jesus, that's, this whole process with the kings was all about shifting and using the pressure against to be able to navigate you. So Joseph got up. Now, this is after, after Herod dies. And the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Seems to be that's the way Joseph gets spoken to, by the way. Joseph is a dream prophet. See, people don't talk, they don't talk about Joseph, the stepfather, being somebody. Do you know that Joseph, the stepfather, became the stepfather because of dreams? He was listening. He followed through. He was about to leave Mary at one point. He's like, what? She's what? You pr- I know it wasn't me. So, deuces. He's walking away. God speaks to him and says, no, it's true. So that means Joseph, stepfather Joseph, was a man of God listening to the heart of God. God wouldn't have anybody else to steward over Jesus. So we always talk about the pious Mary, right? She's pious. We know that. Virgin Mary, you know, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed amongst women. Blessed the fruit of thy Jesus. Holy Mary. We know that. But Joseph was also a part of the selection for the assignment. That means he must have been special enough to be a caretaker over the son of God. He heard and he moved. He had the dream and he moved. Look what it says. It says here, so Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel. That's verse 21. With Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new rule of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called the Nazarene. Listen to this. From the moment of visitation to the moment of being, of of exiling, to now ending up in the place of your final destination. Final destination does not mean that everything else was bad. No, it means everything was good enough to get you there. What do you mean? I was, I was raised in the ghetto. The ghetto was your launching pad. What do you mean? I, my, my house was, was, a, was a mess. I was treated. I was abused as a child. That abuse was your launching pad. I'm not telling you it should have been done. I'm telling you it got done. Now God says, look what I'm going to do. There was a case against that. And God says, now I'm going to use that case in your favor. The shift is on purpose. And you get upset because you want it to be your way. And God says, if I would have done it your way, we have a problem. We can't do it your way. Because your way is only to the place where you can see. You can only go as far as what you see. I know what's around the corner. I know what's up the stairs. I know what's down in the basement. I know all those places that you're not going to want to go to. 
goodness gracious, if God would have told me what, where I was going, I would not be standing here in front of you today. You're not hearing me. If I would have known that my destination was some of the places I, I pit stopped, there's no way I would be here in front of you today. But those pit stops are a part of my story. Those pit stops are what led me to a place. And I still have yet to see my Nazareth. Where is your Nazareth? You're still talking about Egypt. You're talking about, yeah, but I was born in Jerusalem or Bethlehem. I'm still there. He's saying your Nazareth is where I'm at today. I am with you there. You just don't know it yet. At the end of the day, it's going to be important for all of us to allow God to be the one to navigate, give us the blueprint, because even when we get there, I make a joke about this all the time. I really believe that Jesus and his family were like the Walmart family. Say, ask me why. why? Louder, why? why? I'm not stimulated enough. Why? why? Here's why. Because at the end of the day, everyone knew that neighborhood, in the neighborhood, who Jesus was. The carpenter's son. When they know you by your trade, that means that you bless their homes. They knew him based on the trade of his father. And how did he get into the business of carpentry? He had the money to do it. Thank you, wise kings from the east. They were funded. Jesus, get it out of your head. Jesus was not broke. I'll challenge, I will challenge. Yes, Lord, humility. I will challenge anybody. You know why? Because there's too many areas showing that he was a privileged child. Because God is not a deadbeat dad. He needed to show his involvement as a father with him all throughout. To give us the example as fathers of what we need to do. Think about it. At the age of 12, Jesus was amongst priests. Any child amongst priests is because they had been trained and they had been put through a yeshiva. You know what yeshiva is? School. There's a yeshiva in Washington Heights. The university, the school. He was being trained. And you know what training costs? What, what, training what? Is what? It's costly. He was receiving training on a level that he was with three days with scholars. And they were learning from him. You can't tell me that came from a broke person. We know he was God. But he had the privilege because the anointing from heaven was on earth. When the anointing of heaven touches earth, you don't need to be rich. You just need to be wealthy. Anybody who can make, give food to 5,000 people will put the welfare business out of business. 
5,000, not including the women and children. He fed them. That means he never lacked. And the truth is, God himself made it clear from the age of two, actually from his birth, that he was going to be with him. He was going to finance every part of the mission. So much so, from the birth place to the final death place, to his point of being put into a tomb, even the tomb left a story. Joseph of Arimathea was one of the wealthiest men in the region. And he was able to give up his tomb that was for him. You know how much those things. He said no. Why? To fulfill the prophecy. He was going to be in a rich man's grave. All of it was put together. Your life is not a mistake. The gift that God has given you is to understand that you got to trust him. He gave you a gift, and your gift to him is trusting him in the journey. That's the exchange. I trust you, Lord, so I give you my life. I trust you, so I'm going to allow you to lead me. I trust you that even the people that have hurt me, even those who have damaged me, they're a part of my journey. God bless them. Y'all, no. No, 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 no. Are you kidding me? We've been talking about this thing on forgiveness. Your journey has to include that. Because at the end of the day, it is going to be that that God's going to use as your currency. There is currency in heaven. Yes, there is. There's currency in exchange. What are you doing now? What you're doing now is being registered. And I'm not just talking about behavior. I'm talking about transactional, which may include behavior. Because if I shake his hand right now today, I don't know what that means. But I do know this, that it was planned before I shook his hand. That God saw every stage of our lives and knew that we were going to connect. That I followed him, and even when I didn't follow him, I was in the path. It's hard to say, because we, we, we study the God of Kronos and Kairos. He's the same God. But we get caught up in Kronos so much that we forget about that he also is the God of the future. We worry about the present so much that we don't realize that there's a future that he set up for us, just like he did with his, with his son. The God of today, yesterday, and forevermore. I pray that this message goes deep into your heart and that you realize the next time you give somebody a gift, it is a real exchange. Give it meaning. The next time you do something that has to do with blessing someone, understand that that is part of the journey. And the next time somebody does something that is not right to you, say amen. Thank you, Lord.
because there must be a reason why. I love the way David said it. David was walking with his men, and here goes Shimei, cursing them out, telling them how he's a, he, he's a dog that needs to die. And, you know, he, he talked about the tribe of Judah. And Abishai came and said, hey, David, do you want me to cut his head off? There are people who can do that. They have, they have no, no remorse. You know, can, can I kill him? Can I just take him out? And David goes, no, don't touch him. You know I don't want you to touch him? Because if God is allowing him to say that to me, and I know I've been chosen by my assignment, then I got to listen to it. Let me rewind that. If God allowed it, take it and learn from it and understand that he has, he's not surprised we are. Nothing that has happened in your life surprised God. Nothing that has happened in my life surprised God. We're, we, are, we are the ones who go, oh my God. God doesn't go, oh my God. He doesn't write OMG. But we do. Please stand. There are a lot of moving parts, folks. A lot of moving parts. So much so that I need you to understand what took place with Jesus is happening again. It happens over and over again. Jesus leaves patterns. And these patterns are for us to look at and say, he's mindful of me. The three and a half years of Jesus on the earth was nothing more than a creation of patterns. Why can we pray for someone and then get healed? Because it's in the name of? Because he did it. He's the key. He is the key of David. Isaiah 22, 22. He is the key. Matthew 16, 19. He is the key. So the more we understand this, the more we get out of desperation because we realize that if Jesus was able to overcome death, then what more us? We have to believe this, though. So I got some news for you guys. Everything happens for a reason. Y'all know that I was running, going to run for senator, right, in Dominican Republic? How many people knew that? Show of hands. That's almost everybody. Those who didn't know, I was going to run like the word was. But God has a way of changing assignments shifting things or should I say adjusting assignments you know he won't change he'll adjust it and so I decided to pull away from the race I'm not going to be in the race for senator in the Dominican Republic doesn't mean I'm not going to be involved with some of the affairs that are going to go over there won't go on over there but I am going to be spending quality time in nurturing the flow 
Along with that, I need you to know that there are things in the works. God is doing something. And today's message was born of that. God literally told me, pay attention. It's the craziest thing when God tells you, pay attention to your own message. He said, I'm going to give you the word today, but I want you, you, to be the audience of that message. How many are ready to hear the voice of God in your life? How many are willing to act upon the voice of God in your life? Well, just like a feature film, I say stay tuned. That's all I can say, stay tuned. Because God's about to do something marvelous. And he's going to show his hand once again in all of our lives. He's mindful of us more than what we think. For those of you who come from a far journey, understand, you are being the wise men every single time you come to church. No, 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 you didn't catch that. For those of you who are from a faraway land, when you come here, you are replicating the wise men who came from the east. You're just not taking two years to get here. But you get the benefits because you woke up determined to get to a place and distance was not an obstacle. I'm not saying those of you come from a, you know, like right around the corner, like some of you, right around the corner. I'm not saying that, you know, what I am saying is I honor you and God honors you even more. So know that we are about to shift real soon. God's doing something powerful. He is cooking in the kitchen, and sometimes, I don't know if you know this, at least in the Dominican household, sometimes what's being cooked in the beginning smells horrible. No, am I wrong? Like, like, what in the world is my mother cooking? Notice I said my mother because she's not here. <laughs> Make sure she don't see this one. The truth is, it smells bad in the beginning. But as it starts cooking, it starts changing and the aroma starts to change. And you go from going ill, yucky, ill to mmm. Mm. What you say? Yummy. It's yummy. Why? Because that's what's happening right now. Look at each other right now. Everybody look, take, take a moment to look at each other. Get familiar with each other's faces. Understand that each and every one of you represent a duplication, triplication. Because before God allows the floodgates to come open, he has to make sure that there's a land for the people. Who's hearing what I'm saying? There is going to be a great flood in a good way that doesn't drown. And people will be blessed because you said yes. That was my cue. <laughs>